0: Hello and welcome to the Wonder Baba podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist and mum of three. I'm here to chat all about child and family health. I combine healthcare and practical advice to help you on your parenting journey. I really hope you enjoy the show. If you enjoy listening to a Wonder Baba podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could follow or subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to support the show. Thank you. Today I am joined by Siobhan Carroll from Act for Meningitis. Siobhan, can you tell me a little bit about Act for Meningitis and your role in it?
1: Hi, Sheena. So I suppose I'll start at the beginning and talk you through where the charity began and the reasons behind it. So in April 2008, I was pregnant with which we we knew it was going to be a little boy. And Ava, who was four, and Evan, who was two at the time we at home with their dad I wasn't feeling well and I went into the hospital um and I had really bad headaches and they decided to keep me in for the night to monitor me so Ava went off to her Montessori that day and I said goodbye to her that morning and um at about eight nine o'clock that night I got a phone call from Ava's dad to say Ava was sick and she wasn't feeling well and that he had given her an orphan or Calpol at the time. And, um, and I wasn't really that concerned.
0: What what way was she feeling sick?
1: Um, She just she was complaining of a sore tummy. She was complaining of a sore tummy and a bit of a headache. And um, I rang her actually at nine o'clock. And she told me about all she had learned about in the Nina that day. She learned about Africa, Africa. And she had a great day at school. And she had been to Supermax with her granny and her little brother, Evan. But but there was nothing of concern because kids at that age, you know, especially when they're in, they're in crash and stuff in Montessori, you know, I was picking up little bugs and stuff. And she'd been totally fine that morning when I was talking to her uh, before she went off. And um, later on that night, Noel rang to say that she really wasn't getting any better. And he rang the out of hour service. And said to them that she she wasn't usually like this when she was sick and that she had been vomiting. And she was really restless. And they said to him, oh, there's loads of bugs going around and you um, just keep an eye on her. See, was the light bothering her? The light wasn't bothering her. And just to check and see if there was any rash. No, there was nothing. And he brought her downstairs and he rang an hour or two later again to say, she's still not right and quite concerned. And they said, just keep an eye on her. So I was asleep in bed in the hospital in Galway and my phone rang and Noel said, Ava's really, really sick. There's an ambulance on the way. And um, I couldn't understand. I had talked to her. You know, she had been fine all day. And what had been happening in the house, which I, you know, uh, found out after was that Ava was lying in Noel's arms um, and they were watching Tom and Jerry on the telly. And she said uh, she was watching the, watching the telly and he looked down and he thought it was a reflection of the telly on her face. And she just literally kind of started turning gray and she just closed her eyes. And he my mom had arrived at this stage and. Um, he went knocking on doors for help, um, but it was the middle of the night and people were asleep and. Uh, ambulance arrived and i ran down to the front door of the hospital in galway and um i was i still i can still picture it and she's it was 14 years gone now and i can still picture it it was really really quiet which is so strange for you know a hospital car park and it was really dark and i could hear an ambulance in the distance and i remember thinking to myself God, that ambulance is coming here really quickly. Someone's really, really sick. Not for one second, thinking that it could be anything to do with Ava. And the ambulance pulled up and I could see Noel sitting in the front seat and the back doors opened and a doctor went racing past me and Noel just um, got out and he said, it's not good. It's not good, Siobhan. Um, And they did try they, they raced past us with Ava and they did try to um, bring her back. but she was gone and um, they had us in a room. They had us in a room, um, mind us, because I was so heavily pregnant. And while they were trying to 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 bring Ava back. And I remember um, seeing the priest walk towards us in the middle of a and and the consultant, and they said, I'm really sorry. And uh, they walked us into the room where Ava was. And I still remember that as well. There was there was complete silence in the room. There must have been about 16, 17, possibly even 20 staff in there between doctors and nurses and consultants. And they all just stood back and we just walked up and there she was lying on the bed and she was gone um, within I would say like six hours of being been sick with last her to meningitis. Um, and I suppose the only way to describe it is that our lives changed from, from, from that time on. Um, four weeks after Noah was born, we knew we were having a boy and Eva had picked the name Noah. And it was so, so difficult at the time because Evan and Sophie shared a room. And he slept through it all, but he woke up in the morning, his sister was gone. That was his big sister he looked up to. She helped him, taught him how to walk. She helped him um, when he was really small. And uh, that was it. Everything just changed for us on that night. And um, I suppose then we began our lives on a different journey.
0: Siobhan, I like, as a mom, as a human, I, I'm i listening to you here and while I knew elements, you know, of the story before, mm. I just feel, I feel sick. Yes. Like I, I can't start to imagine the horror of all that unfolding and I know you're used to telling your story and mm. I've shivers now, but... You were very heavily pregnant. Mm-hmm. You had obviously Evan at home in bed as well. So your husband, he went through that evening, and in a way, I want to know which of you I feel more sorry for because I know as a mum, not to be there is torture, Absolutely. and for him to try and make those decisions and make those calls and to have to look back on that night and to try and to explain it to you. Because I'm sure you wanted to go through every single aspect. And, you know, I just I c I can't imagine how hard it all was. And the way you describe Evan and Ava's relationship, um, so typical. Like I had children the same kind of age apart and it's so wonderful to see them interact in that way in a way it's nice that you know Evan knows he had a big sister who played such an important part in his life and I'm sure you talk about her all the time and I think I did I see a little video that you did where Evan said this is my big sister Ava you know um and it's amazing i I'm speechless like I'm so sorry it seems stupid but that's all I can say
1: oh no, I know I know and you know um it's something you don't think is ever going to happen to you and like the impact and the loss and the I suppose I call it now the ripple effects, the effect of losing Ava on us and her brother and her grandparents and our little friends that she had in the community of you know, Galway, the, the shock, I think that people, the suddenness and the speed of and I do believe and I still say it literally can take you years to come out of that shock. And even a new saying I'm I, I've shared my story so many times, but still sometimes you sit back and think, did that really happen? Yeah, it was so it was so horrific that night Did that really happen? the way I wasn't there. I didn't get to hold her. I didn't get to say goodbye. And for Noel to be there and watch, you know, his little girl like dying in his arms, and um, it can take a really long time to to try and come to terms with, you know, the both of us for our own struggles for 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 for, the, for those reasons, you know. And um, I do know that she was looking for me that night. I do know she said she said to, she said to Noel, um, where's mommy, and. Like I think that was probably one of the hardest things. I think you know, for years that I had to kinda of, uh, come to terms with that
0: but you know right you know, I wasn't
1: there for her, you know. <laughs>
0: like and I I can like I can completely imagine that because the only thing you want to do when your child is unwell, even just with something small, is hug them and love them and be there for them. Yeah. But you, I suppose the most important thing for you to remember is that, and this is the importance of talking today, what Ava had was extremely aggressive, extremely quick. And that is the nature of bacterial meningitis. And you were literally doing everything you could as a mother to, I suppose, ensure the safety of your unborn child, Noah. And you're never going to say, I can't leave one child because I have to mind another. You look after ever needs are greatest at that moment. And as a mother of three myself, I know there's times that you're like, you're torn in two. You know, yeah. you can't yeah. be everywhere at once. No, and... I know. And
1: I know all that. And, you know, like, you know, I remember at the time so many people used to say to us, oh, time is a healer. And, you know, you, but like now I I know all that's true. You know, I know all that, you know, but when you're living in that absolute nightmare um, and it's just going around in your head constantly. But like time is a healer. And, you know, that. Sophie came along the year after, and uh, she was the image of Ava. She's Sophie Ava, and she's the image of her. And um, the one thing I made the decision about was that my children's lives weren't going to change because my life changed. And I made that choice very, very soon on. I remember having the conversation with myself that. Their lives weren't going to change. So, you know, I did everything I could, you know, possibly for them, for them to have uh, uh, as much of a normal life as they could from going up to the play areas, going to the playgrounds, to do, doing all the sport, to doing everything, you know, their lives, I did the that, best I could
0: for them. That takes uh, incredible strength. Do you find that in a way... Obviously, I'm sure you had some immediate time to grieve because, you know, at a funeral situation, everyone, Mm. everyone steps in in the early days. Yeah, yeah, they they really do. And but after that, you can be in a very dark place and I can't imagine Mm -hmm. losing a child. But ultimately. Like, I know even when my own father died suddenly four years ago. Yeah, um. You know, I'm not it's not the same thing at all. But I remember I was grieving and, you know, the, the kids are adorable in that they know mommy sad, you know, dad yeah. died. Yeah. But they're still like, yeah, no, I'm hungry. Like, yeah, I'm having no, a fight with him. Yeah. I'm having fight- and You're like, right. Well, I suppose that that's all you're going to let me have now. And in their own little way, they're yeah. so kind and they're so empathetic. And yeah. there was hugs and love and I could see them looking at me and ultimately your Facebook on what my choice is now to sit down on the couch and ball solidly and alarm them or to try and park grief for times that you can visit it yeah. when you're on your own and when you have time to actually think about things without being pulled out of true. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have to No,
1: because because. The day after the funeral, I had to get up with Evan and give him his breakfast. And four weeks and a day after Ava died, Noah came along. And um, I don't remember much about that time. I don't remember. I don't really don't remember the labor. I don't remember much. All I do remember, I do remember this part in the labor ward was the midwife, myself and Noel. And me holding Noah hugging each other, crying in the labor world. I remember that. And um, then I had to get up and start doing night feeds and, you know, um, looking after another baby. And the the nicest thing happened the the night I went into labor with Sophie, the same midwife was on call. What were the chances? She was sent to me. She walked in that door. And I remember looking at me and she goes, Siobhan, Tara. (laughs) And she said, oh, I'm here to mind you. And I said, yeah, you are. And I remember saying to her, because we knew it was a little girl. I remember saying to her, please just mind her for me. Just, you know, mind her for me. Um, You know, get her here for me. And um, so, like, life was so busy, Sheena. And I, I can say now, looking back, I never really, really had time to grieve. I, I, I really didn't. My I was too busy, I had babies and kids that needed me, you know, that kind of way. And I met a, a, an amazing woman about six or seven weeks after I died. And I was talking to her and I remember her saying to me, I, I know, I understand. And I, I know I'd I never like really sat back and thought about what a grieving mom or dad would look like. You know, I, I hadn't I didn't have anyone that had lost a child. And I didn't know what I envisioned a grieving mother for me would look like. But this woman was sitting in front of me and she had lost two children. And I said to her, I said, how how do you get through it? How what do you do to get through it? And she said to me, you keep as busy as you can for as long as you can, because she said it's not in the first few weeks. It's not in the first year, maybe even two years that the reality hits you of what's actually happened. And when the reality does finally hit you, she said, you're going to be in a stronger, better place to be able to deal with it. And I remember thinking, okay, that's what got her through it. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And that's, I suppose, where, you know, the idea came about to set up the charity, to do something to try and stop another family going through what we went through.
0: And amazing, positive, you know, and I actually, yeah, look, let's talk about that because it yeah. is an amazing charity. So um. how, yeah, how did you go about um, setting up Act for Meningitis? What were the first steps? How the hell do you start <laughs> charity? Where do, where does one
1: start? <laughs> um, I, I was a Montessori teacher. I was a Montessori teacher at the time with Last Ava and stuff, so I didn't know. So um, I still have I have my first diary and I googled <laughs> how to set up a charity. That was as, as, as simple as it was. I googled how to set up a charity. Um, and the most important thing was the name. So we chose Act for Meningitis. The act actually stands for the Ava Carl Trust. But Act for Meningitis and we want people to act if they suspect meningitis. Ava loved rainbows and that's where our lovely logo came from. Her favourite song was Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Uh, she was always singing it in the car and I remember about a week before she died we were we were coming down the coast road in Ormore and there was um, a rainbow in the sky and I remember saying to me why isn't there rainbows in the sky every day mom (laughs) and I was thinking oh that was your little message to me so we call we have a rainbow as a sign of hope because after the rain the rainbow uh, you know the rainbow appears and that's where the logo came from and that's where the charity began and I I'll never, I never can never put into words the kindness and the support of people when I put it out there that I want to set up the charity. I can never, people that I had been in school with and hadn't seen in 10, 15 years, um, friends that I you know, hung around with when I was small, everybody just wanted to help, you know, and I mean, we set up the very first thing was like we set up the, the Facebook page and that's about the charity. And it was, it's 11 years now since July, we set up a charity. But the kindness that we still get to this day, and the support that we still get to this day, people that have never been affected by meningitis, but wanted to help us to make a difference, you know, believed in what we were trying to do and to remember Ava. And it's just been so amazing the support that we've been given over the years.
0: And it's it's a lovely thing for her <laughs> to have such. A wonderful legacy like Ava in effect I'm not giving you any credit now Ava's out there (laughs) saving lives do you know
1: absolutely (laughs) yeah creating
0: her rainbow awareness and yes yeah I actually now every time I see your logo I have it here in front of me and I'm just smiling at it it's it's yeah so beautiful and hopeful with
1: yeah that's what we want hope hope there is hope that's what we want people to we want people to to know that we're there and I still remember but the very first phone call I got from somebody who had um read something we would shared online or something and or heard me do a talk and said um when my child got sick I knew about meningitis I went to the hospital and you know because of you you saved my child's life or you know, you you had me I acted because of what you told me to do when it was meningitis. And I still remember that phone call and or the phone call from a mother who said because of your support services, her child had survived. And I still remember I still remember that that phone call from a woman who said, My son has a friend now because their child their little boy had been in play therapy and was learning to kind of you know, mix better and stuff. So days like that, you know, make it all worthwhile.
0: Absolutely. And I just want to take this little chance to explain to people exactly what meningitis is. So meningitis is basically an infection of the meninges. So they're the protective membrane surrounding the brain and spinal cord. You can have viral or bacterial meningitis. So the viral type initially is just as scary as the bacterial, but usually it's not life threatening. Bacterial meningitis is extremely, extremely dangerous. It urgently needs antibiotic treatment. And it's something that obviously we vaccinate for in this country. So we have been given the meningitis C vaccine to babies in the primary cycle since 2000. And the men B vaccine was introduced in 2016, There's also the PCV vaccine, which is also included in the primary immunization schedule. There are some vaccines which aren't on the main schedule because there is other forms or strains of infection that can cause meningitis. So they would be meningitis A, W, X, Y and Z. And, you know, the numbers of those have been increasing over the past years on a kind of mild to moderate level. To the point where the ACWY vaccine is now given to children who are in first year of secondary school. So that is, I suppose, the technical breakdown. But Siobhan, mm-hmm. do you have anything to add to that just before we move on to the symptoms?
1: Yeah, so babies and children up to age five at the highest risk age group to contract meningitis. 16 to 24 year olds are the second highest risk age group and over 65s are the third highest risk age group to contract meningitis in Ireland but actually anybody of any age can contract meningitis. You usually see an increase in cases of bacterial meningitis uh, back to school kind of September winter time and there's an, um, an increase usually of viral meningitis cases during the summer but it's really important for people to get to know the signs and symptoms, what to look out for. If you're concerned, get medical help immediately. And the most important thing is to trust your instincts. With the symptoms of meningitis, someone, you know, in the early stages, it can present itself like a flu like symptoms. But what happens with meningitis is that gradually over hours, someone is getting sicker um and nothing is working you know to to bring down their temperature or stuff like that so time is of the essence when it comes to meningitis within six hours i've been sick you know we lost ava to meningitis um and one of the most important things uh before we go into the symptoms is to ensure that your children's vaccinations are up to date so there has been a, a decrease. In the uptake of vaccines in the last two years probably due to covid and people not being able to get access to the doctors and stuff like that so it's really important that people are aware that it takes five visits for your baby to be fully vaccinated with their schedule um and just to ensure that they have completed their full round of vaccinations because you know being vaccinated is 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 what can save lives So that's all that kind of stuff is really, really important when it comes to meningitis. But know the signs and symptoms and trust in your instincts is probably the most important message that, you know, I can
0: give today. And we're all busy and, you know, you can easily fall behind in your vaccine schedule. Mm -hmm. If you have multiple kids, you can just get a bit kind of lost in it all. But important to emphasize there that you can catch up on vaccines, you Mm -hmm. know, just because you've missed one. You just need to go back to your GP and yeah. they will do a catch up program for you. All the vaccines are still available.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I can talk to the symptoms, I suppose, really. Yeah. So people need to remember, with well, meningitis, first of all, that the symptoms can appear in any order. And some of the symptoms may never appear at all. So the misconception for years out there about meningitis, what there, that there always had to be a rash. So the rash is obviously to do with sepsis, which is the blood poisoning, which can go hand in hand with meningitis. Um, but meningitis does not always produce a rash. And if a rash does appear, it's at a very late stage and there's urgent medical attention required and you need to go, you know, get straight to the hospital. If someone's presented with a rash, so, you know, you would have seen how you could do the glass test where you rub the uh, roll, the tumbler over the rash that might appear on the skin and it does not fade under pressure. That is the, the rash that, you know, you need to be aware of that does not fade under pressure. And you do need to keep checking if someone is very sick, you know, to make sure that the rash doesn't appear, it can appear in different places in the body and just keep checking. But with babies and toddlers, um, I suppose refusing feed, uh, temperature, but cold hands and feet, a very high pitched cry, which is something that a lot of our parents have described over the years that their you know babies have have uh, presented with high pitched cry, um, very limp, it doesn't like being held, uh, a bulging fontanella, which is the soft spot on top of the head, are some of the symptoms with babies and toddlers, and. Um, with children and adults, uh, uh, fever, headache, vomiting, muscle pain, temperature with colds, hands and feet. And, you know, it, really to try and explain it, you know, it's like seeing somebody when they're not usually like this when they're sick, you know, they can bounce back sooner or... They're, they, you know, they we've heard people describe about this headache that they've never experienced anything like it before in their lives, um, and that's you know, we've heard that a lot around the kind of teenage um, age group. And um, they, as I say, gradually over hours, gradually getting sicker. Then you need to get you need to get medical attention, you know. And if you're very concerned, you know, to go straight to the hospital. Um, to and when you go in there to say, and I've always said this, and this is me as as a mom. I'm saying this, say to them, could it be meningitis? You know, leave that word in their heads and let them, you know, rule it out, let the medical people rule it out. Um, and you've done everything that you possibly can,
0: you know. And stiff neck and bright lights. Um, yes, I I'm mentioning them because, as I said to earlier, I had viral meningitis as a child and yeah, and um, I definitely experienced those two particular symptoms, but obviously mm. not all, as you said, not all symptoms appear. So it's, it's a bit of a, yep. a mixed bundle. And that's yeah. something I'm really going to take away from talking to you today, that it's really about the progressive illness, you know, the, the the kind of rapid deterioration. So the importance of keeping a close eye on a child that's sick and getting worse and just if in doubt, just act. It's just, just mm. no one is ever going to give out to you for bringing your child to hospital because you're worried. You Absolutely. know, people yeah. are there to help you. It's their job. You're you never annoying you anyone.
1: you know, your child best. You know, your child best. You know what they're like when they're sick. And even as teenagers or adults, you know, you know something's not right. You need to trust your own instincts, believe in yourself and just be the voice for your child. You know just say they're not usually like this when the sick you know they usually bounce back or they can't get the temperature down or and it's not we're not it's not i'm not here to you know to frighten people it's not here it's to make people aware that they know that you know meningitis is out there um and just to be aware of what to look out for to trust your instincts is is, is so important but not to scare people but you know, ensuring your children's vaccinations are up to date and being aware of the signs and symptoms and acting if you have concerns are the most important things you can do when it comes to meningitis.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it nearly needs to become part of your assessment process. So Mm -hmm. I always (laughs) call things things like this because I'm a pharmacist. So that's what we do in work. You know, (laughs) if someone comes in with a rash, I'm going to I'm going to run through every type of illness, you know, to, to rule them out based on how the rash is looking. But as a mum, I don't think anyone needs to be a pharmacist to do this. So, you know, you're looking at things like fever. You're looking at things like, is your child alert or overly drowsy or confused? Mm-hmm. Have it in there that you're looking for meningitis. Every time a child gets sick, look for meningitis, you know, rule it out and then go on to no, it's an ear infection, it's a throat infection. Yeah. Or they're actually just yeah. cranky, you know, <laughs> like, but just have it as part of your process that every time your child is sick, just rule it out, you know, make Absolutely. sure.
1: And, and and also it's a big thing for the student age group, I suppose, to empower them to mind their friends when they are away from home and they're staying in digs and staying, um, you know, on um, campus and college. Um, And to make them aware, you know, to mind your friends, check on them. A lot of the time you would hear that it can, you know, it can present uh, the symptoms as a really bad hangover, you know, in in that age group. And they've been out the night before and they're just really unwell. And they're not, you know, just check on, check on your friends when you're in college and you're sharing a room or sharing a house with them. Are you okay? Do you need anything? How are you feeling now? You know, because they don't have the support Of their parents or guardians or whoever around them, and um, you know, at that age, you do you think you're invincible, yeah? You know, and you're you're living your best life. So just to keep an eye on your friends when you're
0: not at home, uh, if they're sick, that's such an important point. One more thing: the prevalence now. So, how common is meningitis at the moment?
1: So, what we we have seen obviously a decrease in cases of meningitis since the vaccines have been introduced, and then in the last two years obviously when people were locked away at home during covid and everything like that and people weren't mixing because obviously meningitis is airborne so it spread through coughing and season and people weren't mixing there wasn't that many cases thankfully you know for us but once the country kind of opened again we have seen cases appearing and a significant increase in cases of viral meningitis have been occurring in the last, probably, probably since January, February. So, and now we're coming into the winter months, people are coming down with colds and flus, their immune systems will be weaker. So they're more susceptible to picking up other kinds of infections that are out there. So, you know, we, we would expect to see um, cases again, you know, slightly rising in the coming months. So now more than ever, it's so important that people don't confuse symptoms of COVID or flu and symptom with which could be meningitis so to make themselves aware you know because I see it I see a very challenging few months coming ahead you know with the weather and, and all that kind of stuff so people just need to the alert yeah lack, stay aware yeah.
0: lack of immunity from kind of two and a half years of has it been two yeah. and a half years I don't know I don't know how many years yeah. I've kind of <laughs> big... <got> lost now at this stage we've Yeah, yeah but yeah you know, so we don't have the same resistance to things like flu, yeah. where some people obviously will just suffer mild doses. So we haven't built up that natural immunity, so it could be messy. Um, one thing just to highlight there as well, obviously the difference between viral and bacterial meningitis. So we know that the difference is that bacterial meningitis, you know, has a much higher mortality rate mm-hmm. um, and also um, can cause permanent damage. So, We know that viral obviously is less likely
1: non-threatening. Yes, non-life threatening. But But
0: the problem is they present the same so
1: they do at the early stages. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you I suppose the important thing is, is to react quickly regardless. There is only one way to find out if you have viral or bacterial meningitis. And that's by attending the hospital realistically so yeah.
1: yeah and and people need to understand as well that with with meningitis sadly one in ten who contract it will, will will die and one in three you know to five are left with long-term life-changing Bacter- side that's
0: bacterial yes yeah, so.
1: bacterial yeah yes yeah, so. and then and then with viral you know of what i feel is probably taken not not as seriously as but with someone you know it there there's a there can be a long road to recovery after viral as well. And you see people with chronic exhaustion and headaches and different kinds of side effects after viral. So people need to know that they need to give themselves time, you know, and they need to rest and give themselves time to recover. And I suppose that's where we are, that's where the charity is there to step in to support. So what we do is we have an amazing, amazing support officer, Emer and she's there to give you support. So if you know some people just want a phone call they just want to talk to somebody you know and talk through what they've been through it it, it can be extremely traumatic you know after being affected by meningitis and not just the person that's been affected but their siblings the parents who have this fear that their children were sick or siblings who had a brother or sister who've been in hospital for weeks and they haven't seen them and they have this fear so we're there to support the whole family for as long as they need and we have a wide range of support services available for them and we also run workshops um, online support workshops for parents who have been through you know such a traumatic time and then of course you know we're there also to support our wonderful bereaved families who i suppose are on the same journey as me for a chat or catch up or a lot of the time they want to do something to remember the person you know that they've they've lost and we like to be able to help them support them if they like to do it in the community do something to remember them and a lot of the time number no than us they want to create awareness
0: and how can people support your charity for people you know who have been say untouched by meningitis but listening to you today you know are just so moved by the work that you're doing
1: you know one of, one of the big things for us is to get our awareness into communities you know and if someone wants to contact us through our social media or you know and leave a message to something as simple as to go to the local pharmacy and distribute our awareness cards we often send out packs to secondary schools and someone there takes charge of the distributed awareness card and one goes home in every school bag we're available to do awareness talks I do awareness talks I I do paramedic training for trainee paramedics I do pharmacy pharmacy training which is all available everything's free it's all available i do a lot of talks for kind of senior years and secondary schools you know get like to catch them at ty or leaving start before they're going to college to make the meningitis aware i can do talks in the workplace talks for people's wellness days um to make people aware and for every person to have one of our awareness cards or are as aware of meningitis or some people who hold events for us if so they want to hold a fundraising event first and we'll come down and support them and meet people so you know any kind of support is greatly appreciated especially in the last few years with what we're trying to do we're the only charity in Ireland the only meningitis charity in Ireland and the last few years have been so challenging no more than any other charity or any business it's been so challenging for so many people we're going to keep fighting to try and get that awareness out there because it can save lives and we want people to know that they're not alone when they've been affected by meningitis so that's what we're going to keep doing for as long as we can
0: so the website is just act for for
1: meningitis yeah um our social media facebook and instagram is act for meningitis and then our twitter is act number four meningitis and even a simple post that goes up and someone shares it on their page is making an extra person aware about meningitis, you know, and the, the misconceptions that are out there that meningitis always produces the rash, you know, that kind of messaging to correct that message. I think that was the biggest shock for so many people when I did the talk over the years was there has to be a rash or only babies can get meningitis. You know, there's so much confusion out there. So those kind of things, a simple share, it could save a life, she know, could save a life.
0: I suppose we can ask anyone who's listening to this today to share it with every single person that, <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to say who actually has a child or family, but that doesn't even make Everyone. sense everyone because every age group is affected by meningitis so i would beg people to just spread the word i think you've given us some incredible wisdom today and yeah your story just is so moving and i'm so happy that ava has such a strong strong legacy and i'll never look at that rainbow on the logo again now without smiling because yeah I just think you can do nothing more positive than to turn such a horrible story of grief into something that is enabling other children to avoid such trauma um, and other families. So just thank you yeah. so much on behalf of all <laughs> parents <laughs> and everyone for being so brave and strong and standing up because really and truly it no, is saving lives.
1: Ava loves life. She loves, I mean, she sang she danced she shocked her way through life she painted her nails we did everything together and to honor her four short years that she had with us but to remember her and the impact she had she was always going around minding small little children holding their hands getting them up the stairs looking after them and she was a kind kind gentle soul and it's so important for me you know that she'll be remembered it's been a long, long road, but she's with me every day. I talk to her every day. I'm sure I have her plagued a lot of the time. <laughs> she's sitting there beside me and she's definitely guiding me. She's definitely yeah. guiding me.
0: Four short years, it may seem like, but an absolute long lifetime of impact. Um yeah, yeah. thank you so much, Vaughn. OK, you've heard of people. You need to share this story because it's so, so important. Anyone you know that could benefit from being a little bit more meningitis aware, just to get them to have a little listen. Thanks very much, Siobhan, for joining us today. Thanks, Gina. If you enjoy listening to A Wonder Barbara podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could follow or subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to support the show. Thank you.